Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. We are in the middle of a series entitled Needy by Design. Uh, So let's do a little checking up. How many of you have completed your homework that I gave you a month ago. Okay, put your hand up, keep it up, just so the spirit of conviction can fall in this place. Okay, put it up high. Okay, listen, I I don't want you to feel badly about not doing your homework. I just want you to do it. Genuinely, I want you to do it. And here's why. You need to know the answers to the questions that we're asking. What do you need every seven days? in each of the six major areas of life. Some of us are running on empty, and we even use that phrase, I'm running on fumes, I'm running on empty, and what we're actually saying is I'm not getting what I was created to need. But the reason we're not getting it oftentimes is because we don't even know what we need. We know some of the things we need, but when I went through this exercise, what I I call the seven-day survival guide, I had no idea I needed some of these things. And then it, it, it just energized me in a way that I haven't experienced before as I started to look for those things and and to live in such a way so that I can make sure I was getting them. And in this series, we're walking through uh, each of the six major areas. And we are moving from, of course, we, we started with the spiritual. And then last week, we talked about the emotional pillars. This weekend, we're talking about all of our favorite topic. It is the physical area of our lives. We're talking about the physical pillars, and I'll go ahead and give you the three major physical pillars in scripture, rest, diet, and exercise. So you can already be squirming, so you you can just not like where we're going already, Uh, but I promise you, scripture's going to help us all understand not just how important it is to take good care of the body God gave us, but how beneficial it personally is for us to steward the one physical body that God gave each of us. We're gonna go through a lot of scripture, but I want you to hear my heart. Uh, If you battle in this area, just like in all of the other areas, I'm gonna say the same thing. I don't want you to feel like there's a spotlight on you. I know some of us might say, well, I feel like this is the one where everybody's gonna know that I struggle. At least if I struggle financially, no one's really gonna know. Okay. This really isn't about what everybody notices. This is about what God created you to need. So I don't want you to get caught up in, oh, people are are thinking about me right now, or they're looking at, no, they're not. No, they're not. The Holy Spirit's speaking to them about them, not about you, okay? So liberate yourself from the thoughts of others. Can you do that? And you just concentrate on you and the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's saying to you about you. But I want you to know I'm going to walk through this as gently as I possibly can. I'm going to try not to preach this because I don't want at any point, I don't want you to feel like I'm doing this to you. Because if you battle in this area, it's okay. Number one, there are seasons in life. And you may just be battling or struggling in this area in this season. It's okay. And we're not the kind of church, I don't want everyone to, to look like me or sound like me or dress like me. We're all, if you look at Pastor Brad, our senior executive pastor, and you look at me, He and I are shaped differently. I'm shaped a little bit weaker than he is. 
And when people come up to him, they're like, oh, hey, you work out. When they come up to me, they're like, oh, you don't. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We, we come at all shapes and sizes. But I want you to understand, this message really isn't about the, the appearance of your body. This message is about the condition of your body. So don't fixate on the appearance when what we're talking about and what I believe the Holy Spirit's trying to speak to you about tonight is the condition of your body. And yes, I intentionally am preaching this message the week of Thanksgiving. Some of you are thinking, couldn't you have waited till next week on this one? No, no. We're talking about it this week. And listen, there's nothing wrong with a celebratory meal. There is something wrong when you can't tell the difference between a celebratory meal and an everyday meal. But there's nothing wrong with a celebratory meal. Listen, I'm, I'm going to put all of you to shame with how much I eat on Thursday. And then I'm going to take a really good nap. So don't feel like, we're, we're not talking about don't celebrate, don't, don't have you know, great family dinners. We're not talking about that. We're talking about stewarding your body. All right? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. For those of you who might be thinking... Preston, you have no right to talk to me about my body. It's my body, so just move on. Okay, unfortunately, that's not what Scripture says. Let me show it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. I do not belong to me. For God bought you with a price. We know a very, very high price. We just celebrated that price. The death of his son. So, because of this, you must honor God with your body. Now, if I were to take this passage and, and formulate a one-liner, not that describes the whole passage, but really describes the heart of this passage towards the end when it says, so you must, because of these things, you must honor God with your body. Here's the one-liner I would give you. The spirit-filled life involves a self-disciplined body. The spirit-filled life really and truly does involve a self-disciplined body. Now, I gave you the three pillars. Let's jump into the first one, all right? I'm gonna jump into the one that I struggle with the most in this season of my life. I'm not doing well in this area. I'd love for you to hold me accountable when you see me. We're just gonna jump right into the hard part uh, for me. Point number one, rest. This is one of the three major physical pillars. Now, some of you might be thinking, and let me, let me help you understand to whom this point is really being given to. Uh, this point is not being given to or is not for the person that when I say point number one, rest. This point is not for the person who says, yes, that's what I'm talking about. I, I've been telling people I need more rest. Okay, you need to know something. The chances are very high. You already rest too much, my friend. Point number one is actually for the type of person the moment they heard the word rest, they sensed the Holy Spirit do this with the face. 
I'm one of those people. I've got to do better in this area of my life. You may be there too. We were created to need rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, and I love this next part, and learn from me. As Christ followers, that's what we're called to do, to learn from him, not just to follow him, to learn from his example. He says, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If you take his yoke upon yourself, if you learn his rhythm of rest, his cadence as a Christ follower, Scripture says we will find rest for our souls. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 27, Jesus says the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. Watch this next part. Not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord and even over the Sabbath. Sabbath was made to, to meet the needs of the people. Here's another way to say that. You were created to need a cadence of rest every seven days of your life. And if you're not getting that rest, no matter how well you think you're doing, you are not able to accomplish everything God created you to accomplish because you're not getting everything God created you to need. One of the things I love about the passage we just read, it helps remind us that God really didn't give the Sabbath to us as a gift. It is a gift, but he, he didn't just give us the Sabbath as a gift. God gave us the Sabbath as a need. I need the Sabbath. I get embarrassed when I have a week like this week. And isn't it funny as a preacher how when you're struggling with something, God, I knew I was going to preach you know, this point months ago. I didn't know I'd be struggling with it the way that I am right now. Isn't it funny how he just kind of goes, hey, I'm going to have you stand up in front of everybody and you are really stinking it up in this area, my man. I hate it, but I love the reminder. You know what's really funny? This week, it, 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 to me, it seems like it was Sunday two days ago. I, I, on Monday morning, I got on the earliest flight to Dallas and immediately hit the ground running, had several days of meetings, came home, had meetings, and kids have crazy stuff going on right now, chasing them around like an Uber driver. It's just phenomenal. And I, it's amazing how when I don't honor the Sabbath, I get to the end of the week and I actually feel like I have accomplished less than when I honor the Sabbath and give God one out of seven days. I look at this week knowing that I, I just ran through this week working. And I actually feel like I've accomplished less than I normally accomplish because I didn't get something I was created to need. Now, there are several reasons why we consistently choose not to observe the Sabbath. One of those reasons or excuses is this. It's just a really busy season right now. Have you ever used that one? It's just a really busy season right now. Scripture speaks to this. Exodus chapter 34, verse 21. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest time you shall rest. Question, when you think about the different seasons of time as it relates to farming. You have plowing, you have watering, you have sowing, you have harvesting. Which are the two 
most crazy seasons of all farming. Plowing and harvesting. Scripture is saying, even in the craziest seasons, Preston, you still need to rest. And in fact, I would submit to you that the crazier the season, the heavier our need for the Sabbath really is. We need that rest. God created us to need it. Another reason we choose not to observe the Sabbath is we really don't see the importance. That's another big reason. Exodus 35 verse 2 speaks to this. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Watch this next part. Anyone who works on that day must be put to death. Can you imagine if we were literalists? You would all be charged with stoning me right now. Some of you might enjoy that. Hopefully not. Only 49ers fans would think like that. <laughs> we'll have altar ministry time at the end of the service, and if, you're, if that's you, just come pray with somebody. Here's another way to say what we just read. Anyone who works on that day must be put to death. We get the burden for this. Here's the way I would say it. Death is no different than a restless life. Might as well die. I was created to need this, and if I'm not getting it, I'm not able to do all that God is asking me to do. Now think about this. God, our divine employer, not just our heavenly father, our divine employer for whom we work. Everything we do is unto the Lord. Our employer says, I, I need you not to work seven straight days every week of your life for the rest of your life. I need you to hit the pause button one out of every seven days, and I need you to make that my day. It's just you and me. I don't need you to work. I don't want you to work. It's not good for you to work. I want you to rest, and I want you to be with me. Doesn't that sound like an awful employer? He just sounds like a slave driver, doesn't he? He set it up so that a part of our week was designed to meet the need of rest in his presence. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 13 helps to calibrate us to understand the mentality we are to have. The Sabbath isn't just a requirement. And so if you see it as a requirement and you just do it blindly and with, with no heart in it, you're not fully understanding the beauty of the Sabbath. Look at what Isaiah chapter 58 verse 13 says. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Do not pursue your own interests on that day. But enjoy the Sabbath. And speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath. Don't just observe it. Honor the Sabbath and everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. What would it look like if, if you had many weeks where you passed on the Sabbath? And, and God comes to you and says, hey, you're, you're really, you're dropping the ball in this area. And, and I want you to reestablish this in your life. And you look at God and you say, well, well, I'm just trying to give you my all. I'm just trying to do my best. And, and I'm just trying to get ahead. I, I'm just, you're calling me to these places and I'm trying to get there. And, and, and I just, I need more time. I wonder if God wouldn't look you in the eyes and say, is that really the reason you're skipping the Sabbath? 
Is it because you're trying to honor me? Because I've asked you to do this, and if you're not doing it, you're dishonoring me. One of the things I love most about the Sabbath is that every seven days, I'm not just created to rest in his presence, we are created to go into his presence on the Sabbath, to be with him and to be reminded, I can't do this without him. The Sabbath isn't just about rest, it's also about calibration. Now you might be thinking, what does rest have to do with my physical body? A lot, a lot. Have you ever seen what a seven-year-old child looks like when they skip nap time? It's what some of you look like on Monday morning. Tired, grouchy, lethargic, frustrated. Did you honor the Sabbath last week? Did you honor it this week? Are you getting what God created you to need? Rest is a big part of being physically healthy. Here's the second physical pillar, diet, diet. Look at what Genesis chapter one, verse 29 says. Then God said, look, I have given you every bag of Cheetos, every tub of Bluebell, every dozen corn dogs, throughout all the earth and at every state fair. And I have given you all of the cakes, Brownies, cookies, for your food. Now that may be what the message translation says. <laughs> if it is, some of you are like, I'm buying that translation. <laughs> Isn't it interesting, in the very first chapter of the Bible, God goes on record and he says, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. I don't know if you've ever tried to, and, and I'm not trying to come down on your diet, all right? I, I'm not trying to get you to be out of balance. The burden I believe the Lord gave me to pass on to you is the burden for balance, not excess or extreme, okay? Not too much or not too little, balance. And, and when we talk about eating in a more clean fashion. Have you ever tried, there are plenty of, of 30 day diets out there, you know, where you really eat cleanly. And has anybody ever tried that before? Okay, here's another way to say it. Have you ever cut junk out of your diet for a couple of weeks? Here's what you'll find. And ask people who have done this. You will feel more energy and you will see more clearly. Just about everybody that I've ever talked to that ha goes on some type of diet where they eat more cleanly, they eliminate the junk, myself included. What you'll hear them say is, man, I just feel so much energy. And I, I just feel like I, uh, my mind is so clear and sharp. Okay, do you wanna know why? Do you wanna know why that happens? Here's why. Genesis 1 says, because you were created to run on this kind of food, not this kind of food. Cheetos are not a, pre, a good pre-game meal before I come preach a sermon. 
Have a protein bar. Have juice. I know what's good for me. I know what gives me energy. Some of you might feel a little, a little lethargic, and it's, it's really not as much your fault as you think it is. You may think it's just because, well, I'm just a little bit out of shape or this or that. Listen, oftentimes it's simply because of what we're putting into our bodies. I'm not telling you, you need to go on a Daniel fast for the rest of your life. Although, read what happened when Daniel fasted and he was healthier than everybody else. I'm asking you this question. Do you give yourself whatever you want whenever you want it? If you crave Oreos at 11 o'clock at night, who wins? The one who owns your body? Or you? Who wins when you have a craving where you know, I probably on Thanksgiving shouldn't go back for that third piece of pie. Two, two is good stewardship on Thanksgiving. Three can be slightly problematic. Now, a piece of pie for breakfast the next morning, as long as I get some cardio in, I still feel like that's good stewardship. It's in the 24-hour window, you know what I'm talking about? It's a holiday. But it leads us to a word that I know we don't like to talk about in church. It's the word gluttony. Let me give you a really good definition of gluttony. Gluttony is the sin of unrestrained overconsumption. Gluttony is the sin of unrestrained overconsumption. Here's another way to say it. Gluttony is when you eat what you want, whenever you want, and eat it until you can't eat any more of it. That's actually what gluttony is. And I think gluttony is one of the least talked about sins in the Bible. Think about it. In the church world, there's a lot of talk about alcohol and drunkenness. Still a bunch of arguments. Hammering alcohol. Not just drunkenness, hammering alcohol. Hammering smoking. Hammering these things. But when we talk about gluttony, we don't quite have the same tone in our voice. How many of you, if I asked you uh, this question, how many of you would like to be put in the same category as Sodom? How many of you would put your hand up and say, absolutely, pastor, that's me? Anyone? Okay. We know Sodom is a really bad city, but do we know fully why? Well, Preston, it's, it's because they, they were practicing very unnatural sexual desires. Homosexuality, bestiality. That was Sodom's problem. That's not what Scripture says. Yes, that was part of the problem. That was not all of the problem. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness, while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. In the church world, we speak very negatively of drunkenness, as we should, not judgmentally, but it's not as God intended us to live. We should use the same tone with gluttony because the Bible puts the two things in the same category. I can show it to you. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 21, don't drink too much wine and get drunk. 
don't eat too much food and get fat. Drunks and gluttons will end up on skid row in a stupor and dressed in rags. I know that's hard to hear for some of us. Don't feel judgment or condemnation. Hear the God of the universe saying, you were not created to operate that way. And oftentimes, one of the things that when I'm overweight, I'll I'll contextualize it for me. When I'm overweight, it is always a sign that I feel overwhelmed. Many people stress eat or emotionally eat. Have you ever heard of the term comfort food? Let me show you something that blew me away this week in Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. That is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that, about, that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Okay, look at this. This is true. That statement relates to verse 13. Food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. Let me throw this in as a little curveball. Food was not made for the heart. It was made for the stomach. It was made to receive energy, not comfort. Here's how you know. There is no verse in all of the Bible that says food is our comforter. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. And I wonder how many times as Christians we choose to be comforted by food rather than receiving the comfort from the comforter, capital C. Well, Preston, I'm reaching for what is close. The Holy Spirit is closer. The Bible clearly says, food was made for the stomach. Food was not made to comfort me. It was not made to to make me feel better in my heart. It was created for my stomach so that I could receive energy, the energy I need to do what God created me to do. Now, in Isaiah chapter 22, there's a phrase that I want us to talk about because some people may adopt a philosophy. And that philosophy is, hey, listen, pastor, everybody goes at some point. Everybody goes. And if I'm going, I want to have a tub of ice cream in my hands when I do. And we kind of chuckle and we say, yeah, that, that's funny, yeah. It might seem funny, but it isn't godly. Let me show you a part of where this comes from in Isaiah chapter 22, verse 13. God's saying, I asked you to do all of these things, and then we jump into verse 13. He says, but instead of doing what I ask you to do, you dance and play. You slaughter cattle and kill sheep. You feast on meat and drink wine, and you say, let's feast and drink For tomorrow we die. Let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. This is a dangerous mentality. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with food and fun, but if it gets in the way of you reaching the goals God created you to reach, that food and that fun has become a hindrance, not a help. It's not helping you any. 
You might be thinking, well, Preston, I have heard you in past messages say that your hero is Solomon. And I don't know if you remember one of the things Solomon is most famous for. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, yes, I'm fully aware, verse 15, so I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life or be merry. Yes, he did say that, but he did not say, for tomorrow we die. He said there's nothing wrong with enjoying. But here's one of the ways I know Solomon's not saying, I I think it's okay just to eat and eat and eat and eat and to celebrate and to celebrate and to celebrate and to celebrate because he ends Ecclesiastes. He gets towards the end of the book, at the end of chapter 11, going into chapter 12. He says, young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. The same man, considered the wisest man to ever live, who says, there's nothing better than to eat, drink, and be merry, also says, hey, don't worry, which is what we talked about last week. Make sure and keep your body healthy. A big part of being healthy is watching what we put into our body. Please hear my heart. I'm not telling you, you need to remove all carbs from your life. You could try and make me do that, but I'm gonna have pizza probably once a week. I'm not asking you to cut everything that's considered unhealthy out of your diet. I'm asking you to pay attention Number one, but also number two, to be mindful of the fact that that body that you call yours actually is not yours. It's his. And every once in a while, it may be good to involve him in a conversation related to what you're putting into your body. And I'm saying that sarcastically because I personally believe that should be a constant part of the conversation. He knows what I need. He knows what you need. And while my flesh wants bluebell ice cream and brownies for breakfast, I know better than that. If I did that every morning of my life, at some point, I would hit a wall and I would not be able to accomplish everything he created me to do. Rest, diet, here's point number three, exercise. Exercise. Is there anything in life that you don't enjoy doing, but you enjoy the benefits of it? Just think for a moment. You really don't enjoy doing it, but you love the benefits that come with it? I mean, cleaning the house. Most of us don't like to clean the house, but we love the benefits that come with a clean house. Uh, Buying a car for cash. Instead of buying an expensive car, a more expensive car, and, and having a huge payment every month, buying a car for cash. Not something you may want to do, but the benefits of not having a car payment far exceed what it feels like to drive a better car. Okay, there are lots of things in life where we may not enjoy doing it, but we love to reap the benefits. Okay, exercise is one of those things for me. I actually don't like working out. And I know I'm probably not supposed to say that to you. I know I'm probably supposed to stand up here and go, working out is amazing. Well, it's it's not 
the worst thing I've ever done. It's not a root canal, but it's definitely not a trip to the beach. Think about this for a moment. I don't work out. I'll, I'll contextualize it to you. You don't work out because you like to. You don't work out because you love to. You work out because you love you. When you work out, it's amazing how God designed the body to start to feel adrenaline, to start to feel momentum, to start to feel energy, to get the blood going. I was sitting next to a man on, on the plane coming back, a really nice gentleman. I don't know how much older than me, probably 15 years or so. And, and this area may be an area where he struggles. And he was so kind, and we had gotten on the plane first, and uh, an, an older woman was coming down the aisle, and she had a big bag, and she was trying to put it in the overhead, and, and the gentleman sitting next to me, he was on the aisle, he got out to help her and put the bag up in the overhead cabin, and then he sat back down, and, and when he sat back down, he was breathing very, very heavily. And it hurt my heart. Not, not because I think I'm better than him or he's worse than me. That has nothing to do. It hurt my heart that you could see this man's heart was to help. But I would guess every once in a while, his body might get in the way of that. His health might get in the way of him helping. And I know that might sound a little bit difficult for some of you to hear. You need to hear it the right way. I look at all of you and know you want to help people in the same way. But the question is, does your health ever get in the way of your desire to help? That's one of the ways I know I'm not healthy. One of the reasons I want to see us all be healthy is if God says to you, hey, I want you to get up and walk all the way across the ballroom this Christmas, all the way across to the person on the opposite side of this gargantuan room who's a couple offices down. They're sitting there and they're drowning their sorrows. And I want you to go over there and help them. I want you to be able to walk across over there, not be winded, to get over to the person, to bless the person. But we all know when I arrive somewhere winded, I don't arrive there fully mentally. I'm a little tired. I'm a little off. It seems so small. I'm not telling you you need to go to the gym every day of your life. I am telling you. God created your body to run on exercise. You need it. And even if exercise for you at this stage of your life is simply getting up and, and, and having a little bit of coffee and reading the paper and then going with your spouse and just walking around the neighborhood a couple of times, that's fantastic. I'm not asking you to bench 500 pounds in this season of your life. Just asking you to steward the body God's given you. Now, without realizing it, there are two passages in Scripture that I think some people use as an anti-exercise theology. They don't even realize it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 is the first one. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Oh, Preston, 
Physical exercise is good, but spiritual exercise is so much better. That's where I've chosen to spend my time. Here's the second one. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If there's a part of me that uses that as a reason not to care about my health, that's not theology. That's lunacy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, gives us such a great picture, and we apply it to sin, but we don't literally apply it to weight, I believe. It says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. I think sometimes we read that and and we really believe it says, let us also lay aside every sin. But literally translated, every weight and sin, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If your calling was the equivalent, and I don't know if the camera can follow me over here, sorry. If your calling in life was the equivalent of moving from this line right here all the way to the end of the stage and back, here is my heart, and I believe it's God's as well, that you would be able to literally, the moment he says go, take off. You always have to touch the line. That's the rule. I believe that's God's heart related to your calling and mine. But when we read what we just read in chapter 12, let us strip off every weight that encumbers us, that weighs us down. Let me give you a picture of what that looks like, and it does apply. Listen, when the Bible says every weight, It doesn't mean some of them or most of them. It means every weight. Not just the things that emotionally weigh you down, the things that also physically weigh you down. And here's my heart. Riley, come here for a sec. What concerns me when we don't take our health seriously, when we could run without hesitation, and the calling that God's given us. But when we take on extra weight, let me show you how crazy it looks. Now, we're gonna pray that I don't hurt myself trying to do this, okay? Because I'm trying to just prove a point, all right? I'm gonna take this off because I know I'm gonna rip my jacket if I, if I don't. Let me show you how crazy this looks. You just saw what it looks like with no unnecessary weight to run in your calling. Let me show you how crazy it is to take on extra weight and try and walk in this calling God's given you. You ready for the sunshine? Okay. I don't want to stay in this position very long, okay? Okay, jump on. Come on, let's go. Oh, okay, all right. This would have worked a lot better when she was six. Okay, here we go. You ready?
Okay. Which way looked easier? You know my favorite part of what just happened? And we can all laugh about this. When I got to that end, I mooned all of you. <laughs> because when you're weighed down, it's hard to think straight. It's hard to run, carry excess weight. do what God's created me to do. Listen, hear my heart. This has nothing to do about skinny and fat. Nothing. One of the things that has always bothered me is people will look at me and go, man, you're in such good shape. They don't even know when I'm out of shape. I do. I know when I'm not healthy. And it's not based upon my look. It's based upon the condition of my physical body, how I feel physically. I'll show you one last scripture and we'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it, we run for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Here's another way to say it, training it to do what it was created to do. Otherwise I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I battled this week a little bit with this message because I never, ever, 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 ever want to hurt. Never, ever, ever want to hurt. Never. In my times in prayer this week, I was begging the Lord, please, I don't want anyone to, to feel hurt, Lord, because I know you're not trying to hurt and I don't, I'm not trying to hurt. And that's when I felt like he gave me the picture. He gave me the second picture first. Preston, this is what happened. When you don't steward your body the way I designed you to, you put a bunch of unnecessary and unrealistic weight on yourself and it makes everything you do harder to do. And so here is my heart. If you're battling in this area, don't, don't heap shame on yourself and say, oh, I'm so bad. No, no, no. Look, look how you're running with all of that extra. I'm not just talking about weight, but everything that comes with not feeling healthy. Can you imagine what life would look like if before you took your next step in the race, you just dropped some weight? You dropped some old habits. And you began to take more seriously the stewardship of the temple. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.